All right. Well, welcome to uh, the third episode, third installment of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. I am so excited to be coming at you. This is going to be a little bit different than the previous two. I am joined remotely by the power of technology right now by my youth pastor from days gone by. So Pastor Chris Vitarelli, would you say hello? Hey, everybody. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me on, Quint. Yes, this is awesome. So uh, just a little background, if you don't know uh, Chris Vitarelli, about, man, it's been about 20 years ago now. I was a snot-nosed youth kid at Lakewood Baptist Church in Lakewood, New York. And uh, Chris and his wife Jody came from the tundra of Michigan to the tundra of Western New York and uh, taught me a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know I was going to be using as much as I do later. And it was really, really cool. And uh, so anyways, uh, Pastor Chris just released uh, not his first book, but a brand new book called Small Church, Big Deal. And I immediately ordered it, read it. It is awesome. We're going to talk about some of that today. And he is currently back in Michigan, and he's pastoring at a church there. And so I'm excited to have him on today, and we're just going to discuss all things ministry from different perspectives. And uh, I'm going to let him share some of his story and some of what has got him to where he is today, what he's doing, and a lot of the things he's learned along the way. And we're going to try to do all that in about 30 minutes. So I hope you are ready to go. This is going to be awesome. But Pastor Chris, uh, anything uh, not embarrassing about me that you would want to share from those Lakewood Baptist Church days? Anything that stands out? Well, you know, you mentioned 20 years ago. That just kind of shakes me a little bit. 20 years, that's a long time. But I do remember when you came into the youth group, and I have to say that as I looked at the the group we had, if I had to pick one that would be in ministry right now, and I mean, no disrespect, None I taken. would not have pointed at you. All right? I, I, I just didn't, you know, I had... There are different kids that were involved in leadership and different things, and uh, but it's really cool that, that you are in ministry. And I still remember, you can tell me if you remember this, we went on a camping trip in the reservoir in Allegheny, and there was a rope swing. And you were the one of the first, I think, to jump on that rope swing, and I was all about it until you, I think you like bashed your toe on a rock or something like something. that. Something, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, all right, that's it. Like, you were the one that, you were brave. You swung out on that rope, but I said, "That's it. I can't do it. I'm going to hurt someone, some of these kids." But uh, you were the you were the guinea pig. You hurt yourself, and I'm like, "That's it. I'm hey, shutting it down." Yeah. Well, and, you know, you got to be careful with those ropes you find because you don't know how long they've been there, and they could be dry rotted, and you could get halfway out or not even halfway. It can be bad. So, uh, yeah, that was probably it's probably God's grace. I only smashed my toe on that uh, that event. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, cool. So, um, all right, so let's do this to start. Could you quickly, I know it's, uh, like we said, it's been a 20-year journey, but maybe just tell us kind of, how. give us your background, how you started, how long you were in Lakewood, and then how you ended up where you are today, and I'll just give you the floor for that. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I started in ministry in 1998, and so it's funny you mentioned 20 years ago. So, uh, yeah, I've been in ministry over 21 years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, and it still blows my mind that as a 22-year-old fresh out of college, the church in Lakewood handed me the keys to the church van and said, drive to, you know, Maine, drive to wherever. And I took you guys all over the place. Um, but I started there in youth ministry, 
really passionate about youth ministry. And then over time with uh, my kids of my own, just felt like I had to move into something else. So I started doing outreach and assimilation as far as like trying to get people from, a, you know, first time attender to, to a contributing member. Um, but even in the midst of that, um, just felt like there was more and really focused on evangelism in the, in the church there in Lakewood. And they were, I mean, great people love Dan cook there. Uh, he was there for many years, great mentor to me. Um, but one thing I felt we weren't doing well was that evangelism piece. We were good at bringing people to the building. We weren't so good at going out from the building and, and reaching them. And as you know, a church plant is all about leaving the building for the most part. I mean, it depends on your model. Some are attractional. But a lot of church plants are all about serving the community. And so as God was drawing my heart toward that kind of ministry, that kind of evangelism, he was also, though I didn't know it at the time, drawing my heart toward church planting. And so at about year, I would say year nine in Lakewood, I started looking around, uh, putting out resumes saying, maybe God's calling me to a senior pastor role. But within about six months, I knew that's not what it was. It was church planting. Hmm. And so prayed through that for uh, about a year and a half, and then eventually left in 2010 um, after having gone through a church planting assessment and a lot of training, seminars, and things like that, and saying goodbye to people in Lakewood, uh, we embarked on our church plant journey. And uh, just as an aside, one of the reasons we're in Michigan is because I grew up here. My wife Jody grew up here, and it just was a natural fit for us to come back to southeast Michigan. We had a burden for the people that we grew up around. We knew there were still people from our high school days, so we thought, let's give it a shot. And that's where God led us. And so we started there in... uh, or here in Fenton in 2010, and uh, I've just brought everything from the last, yeah, up to that point anyway, 11 years to bear on my on my ministry here. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there, and we'll, let you, we'll go on to the next segment here, but that's kind of, that was the journey, okay? That's where how we ended up in Michigan. Yeah, okay, so you're back in Michigan, and uh, it's you and Jody, and then four kids, right? Yep. And so you're leaning into this uh, this church planting model that, like you said, is ever so popular in America today. And, and I mean that with all due respect. Actually, the church I came from prior to here was a church plant, and we were very outreach focused, and we did that. We reached uh, thousands of people through events every summer and, and did all sorts of that stuff. So I totally know what you're talking about and have lived it, and and I absolutely love it. And um, even in a church uh, like I'm in now with Erie First, we are we have so much history, but we're trying to do a lot of those same things. We're trying to get outside of these four walls and go reach the city of Erie and the people uh, that we have a burden for. So I, I totally get that. But then so tell us kind of how that journey went for you once you got to Michigan. And I know you unpack a lot of this in your book. I will plug uh, I will shamelessly plug Chris's book. You can go on Amazon, search Small Church, Big Deal. It is an amazing read. Absolutely loved it. I couldn't put it down. And it's just such a good, it's good whether you're directly in ministry or not. It is a great book to help, I I believe, and I, I talk about this a lot in different avenues that I'm given to speak and preach, but like the American model of church and the American model of Christianity is flawed, and that's okay, but like there are things that we have right and there are things that we have wrong. And a lot of it is this consumerism, consumer mentality, I call it. In fact, one of our key notes for our small group ministry here is church is not a product to consume. 
It's a community to participate in. And so that's like one of our three bullet points for small groups uh, that God gave me a few years ago. So anyways, kind of catch us up to speed then on how your journey has gone and then how that has led to what is now a great book and a conference and just a shift in mentality for you. All right. Well, this is probably going to take a little more time. Um, first, I want to say thanks for promoting the book. Um, it is, I hope you gathered, not a let's bash the mega church right. book. That's not the intent at all. In fact, I, I hope that as people read it, they realize how much I love the church. Um, I, I do love the church. Bigger does not mean better. I do hit that pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, some might perceive that as a bash of the mega church. It's not. Um but that's the, that's the model, is that size matters, that it really matters. And you'll hear that in some of the language that some of the larger churches will espouse, such as, you know, numbers matter because God named a book of the Bible after numbers, um, you know, numbers. Uh, I haven't heard that one. That's interesting. Oh, you haven't? Well, yeah. that's good. <laughs> um, but numbers, numbers represent people, and mm-hmm. people matter to God, therefore... Yeah you know, numbers matter and things like that. So that's, that just comes through everywhere. And so when I got into the church planting thing, I was just swallowing everything that I was hearing as far as the church plant model and how we do this. And you have to be a certain size by a certain time frame in your, in your church planting journey. And so the expectations were, I think, uh, way bigger than any reality could ever, uh, you know, meet up to. And, and so just to give you an example, and I do think this is in the book, but I talk about how the assessment center, uh, is a great experience. They tell you what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you need to work on. But one of the gals there said, Chris, we think that you and your wife teaming up, you know, you and your wife together, you could go out and plant a church right now and reach hundreds. But if you go to this internship and this, you know, learn more about church planting, you could reach thousands. And so that's exactly what you tell a young church planter, right? To right. Get, put dangle the carrot out there and like, go get it, go after it, get, get large, you know? And so we did, we had these expectations that we were going to just explode and take our city for Jesus. And it was going to be the fastest growing church in Fenton. And, and so we, well, you know, we fast forward a few months, we moved to Fenton in August of 2010 and just to give you some perspective, we were told within six months you should have 40 adults on your launch team. Okay. We didn't go out with a church behind us. There was no church backing us. They didn't send us families to do this. We just dropped into Fenton and got going. And so almost a year into this, we had like 10 people. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, that was and that was months of going to, you know, chamber of commerce meetings and having meetings over coffee with different church members from around the city that we were saying hey please help us or pastors where we were asking them for help and would you send us a family or two and i mean just months and months of this hitting it so hard and having almost what we thought nothing to show for and so it's hard not to start thinking about failure sure i mean we we left lakewood i was had a pretty good salary. Jody was working for the church. We were comfortable. We had a, a great house. Loved living in little Hamlet of Busti out there. And then we moved to Michigan and take about a forty percent pay cut and have absolutely no success for ten months. Oh. And it was like, what are we doing here? You know, right? And so, so you start thinking, well, have I failed? You know what does that mean? What do we do? You know, what do we go from here? And I started looking up like resources on how to, 
deal with ministry failure. And I actually found a conference that was called Fail, I think. It was in Pennsylvania. It was about not getting together and hearing ministry you know, success stories, but actually hearing about failures and how God's grace is sufficient and, and things like that. I didn't go, um, but it made me feel better. Sure. Um, but we just really were struggling with this. And at the same time that we're dealing with this, what we perceived as failure in the church plant, another church that's part of our association asked me to come and, and preach on Sunday mornings. And I thought, well, we're only meeting on Sunday nights as a church plant. I'll go preach there. And kind of had this two campus thing going now where, where I'm preaching in the morning in one city and then I'm, you know, preaching, leading a church in uh, the other on the evening. And, uh, just hoping that that there would be a breakthrough, that somewhere we would see some uh, what we defined as success. Well, uh, I, I would love to say that we finally found it, and like 500 people started attending, you know, within that year. But it, it just didn't happen. Um, it got to the point where I was just really broken about where things were at, felt like a failure, and started to go, you know, maybe maybe I'm looking at this all wrong, maybe. Maybe I'm calling this thing here because if I took everything I'd done in that, that year, all the evangelizing, all of the meetings, all of the preaching, everything that I'd done, and I threw it on a scale, and this is kind of my thought process. Like if I weighed all that out, would, would it weigh out and say you've done well, you've been successful, or would it say you failed? And so that gave rise to a little booklet that I called Failure in the Balance, and I wrote that probably, I think it was 2000. 2013 or something like that failure in the balance and about that time i thought you know maybe it's not really about failure maybe that's not the issue that i'm struggling with maybe it's just the size of the church maybe Mm. that's the real issue here so i started looking well maybe there's resources for a guy like me that's just got a small church and i came across a fellow named uh, carl vaders he had a website called new small church and he was writing about small church issues I thought, man, this guy's got good stuff. He is on to something. Man, I should have him, uh, you know, come and maybe share a little bit about his experience. And I started pointing other pastors I knew to his website and stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if a guy like Carl could speak at a conference? And instead of some guy from a church of 10,000 getting up and telling all those guys with the church of 50 how to do ministry, he got up and just shared about being in a small church. Yeah. And, and so it just... Yeah, that, that started really becoming real to me. Like, what if we could do that? I started Googling, like, small church conference. Guess how many small church conferences I found? Just none. Yeah, I none mean, at all. Really, the only, the only thing I found was the Rural Home Missions Association, which administers to rural churches. That's not really where we're at. Right. I'm one of thousands and thousands of suburban and urban small churches that have these close, compact populations they're in buildings that are, you know, older than anybody in their congregation. And they're just, they're like 30, 40, 50 people. And so, uh, yeah, so I just, I, I talked to a mentor friend of mine. I just said, hey, what do you think about a small church conference? I really want, I want to bless pastors. I want to encourage them. I want to talk to the guys who've been where I've been and let them know that their church, you know, it might be small, but it's a big deal. And... That was really the birth of the name of the conference was that conversation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to call it until that moment, but it just sort of came out of me. And so in 2015, we invited Carl Vaders to come out to here to Michigan, and we did our first ever small church big deal conference. And so that's that's the you know 
dealing with failure, dealing with struggle with, you know, my church isn't growing and all that. It led to the conference, but I, you know, I know we're, we're time-wise, we've got to, we're limited here, but that doesn't really get into the gut level, you know, time spent on my knees trying to wrestle with all this, mm-hmm. the emotional, spiritual, mental battle that was going on. That's sort of the, I guess, the practical surface way that this developed. Right. No, and I love in your book, I, f- I f- really felt for you because you do a, an amazing job. You show your vulnerability and you just, you say like, these are things I, even, even the name change from failure in the balance is kind of what has turned into the new book. Am I right? A lot of that content made it into the new book. Yes. Yeah. And so, but even the name change shows your mentality shift and your attitude shift towards it because it wasn't a pass fail situation at all. It was, it was a thought process situation. It was you were hanging your success or failure on a number in your church. And, you know, and I love how wide open you are about it in your book. You should buy his book that, and you just say that it was God really worked and showed you, Chris, this has nothing to do with numbers and everything to do with faithfulness. This has everything to do with shepherding. This has everything to do with just discipling who I do give you. And, and I love that because that speaks to the guy who pastors, you know, 20, 25 people and the person who pastors 2,500. Your faithfulness is what's going to be what you're held accountable for at the end of it all. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's one thing that a lot of pastors and leaders don't recognize. You know, sometimes we think that the only guy who deals with the it's all about me thing is the guy in the big church. Well, he's all about ego. He thinks it's all about him. Listen, if you're in a big church and you think it grew because of you, that's ego. If you're in a tiny church and you think it's tiny because of you, that's ego. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have to recognize it for what it is, call it sin, like get over ourselves. It's not about us. Um, I, I think, you know, ego is a big issue. Contentment is a huge issue. And I've had people challenge me on this, like, what do you mean I should be content with the 40 people in my, my church? And I'm like, yeah, I think you misunderstand contentment for complacency. They're not the same. Yeah, okay? that's good. Contentment means that whatever God gives me, if my situation never changes, I'm just going to keep serving them. I'm going to keep plugging away. I'm going to do what it means to be faithful. But complacency, that's just, I'm you know, fatalistic thinking this is the way it is there's nothing i can do about it that, that's not contentment okay I, I, and i've told guys i've said look if you can't be content in the church that god's given you where there's like 40 people you're not going to be content if there's 400 or 4,000 because you've made your ministry about something other than just being faithful to what god's called you to right um, so that's that's a that's a huge issue i think the ego the contentment um and i, and I, I try to let guys know this too um i should say guys and gals i'm sorry i know there's some lady pastors probably listening too but um that when we look at our ministry we're so tempted to think well if i could just have that church of of 500 or 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever man that would satisfy me i would knock it out of the park every week um you know that, that somehow having a bigger church elevates your leadership that's not the case at all right and I tell, I, 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 and when I've done these talks and stuff, I, I tell pastors, I'm like, look, you're at a church of 50. You would be maybe out of your depth with 500 or 5,000, like scary out of your depth. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But 
take that guy who's pastoring the church of 5,000, put him in a church of 50, and tell him he's got a budget of 100,000 for the whole year. Right. He'll lose his mind. Yeah. He'll be like, what? I can't do this. And so we have to recognize that God puts people in the places that he does because he knows best. And, and if God chooses to pour out favor and blessing on your church and grow it huge, then fantastic. Great. Give him the glory. But don't waste your ministry. Don't waste the best years that you have in ministry wishing and hoping for something else. Yep. Give it serving, obedience, faithfulness. That's where it's at. Yeah, and you know, um, before we went on and I hit record, we were talking, and one of the things I love is, I think this is one of the amazing contrasts, is that you know, I, I'm the worship and discipleship pastor at my church. So I'm worship in small groups is my ministry. And you talk about both in your book, and you talk about how there is this, uh, an author I love just said it this way, this culture of the fantastic that has hit the church, where if your worship ministry isn't so fantastic that it wows the socks off people, then you're, you're just missing it, an opportunity every Sunday. And like, we have it, like, we have an awesome worship band here, and I'm blessed to play with all of the musicians that we have. But we do not come into it with this mentality of like, we got to knock this show out of the park today, guys, because something like that, that is not the approach. Also, in light of small groups, we were kind of joking about this, but it's such a reality. A lot of small churches want to be big and have big numbers. And we are a larger church here. And we were so excited 18 months ago when we launched our small group ministry and had 18 small groups and 150 people sign up. And that has grown to about 250 people in small groups right now. But it's because we're a big church that wants to feel small. And so, like, the, this, the contrast is, hopefully it's not lost on you, the listener, that small churches want to be larger, and that's good. But as soon as you get there, you want to break it down and feel smaller again because you want to have uh, that community, that real community with each other. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because some of the people that are showing up at our door now are coming from large or mega churches in the area saying, I went there, it was exciting, there was a lot of momentum there, but I felt lost. I didn't know anybody. Right. My small group changed constantly. I never felt like I was in a community, and so now they're coming to us saying, you offer family, you offer community. Now, there is a danger there. Um, for the small church, and that is to say, you know, it's it's just this group. We're family. We don't want to share that with anyone. I've had people even tell me, "Let's not grow," and I'm going, "Whoa, right. whoa, whoa!" You know, that's we they want c- to grow. Don't we call that we want- us for and no more? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And and I says, "No, we want to grow because we want people to know Jesus." But I get what they're where where, where they're coming from. They want they love that that community, that family feel, that connection. Um, so there, there's, um, I think the, the biggest thing that I would say about that, the contrast between the big and the small, is that um, big doesn't mean better, but small doesn't mean lesser, shabbier, or, or less excellent. You can be a small church and still do things with excellence. You can be a small church and still uh, wow people, if you will. But here's, here's the cool thing. In a small church, it doesn't take much to kind of wow people they'll right. go wow for a small church you're doing really good there you know what i'm saying whereas if you're in a big church they expect mtv level or hbo level production quality right 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 not not in a small church man you can do some stuff that's pretty cool and people are impressed 
Um, not that that's what we're aiming to do, but you get my point. Yeah, sure, um, sure. Ultimately, so. I think where where I land with it is so much of the entertainment of America has has infiltrated the church and has left people kind of you know, is your, is this program as good as I want it? Is that program as good as I want it? Is this worship experience as good as I want it? And it just, you are looking the wrong direction if those are the questions that you're asking, because the whole reason for the church is to glorify Jesus Christ. And the most attractive thing you will ever hear in your life is that Jesus Christ came to redeem you and buy you back. And you can hear that in a big church or a small church but that's the message that, that you need to hear. And all the rest of it is just lengths we, we imperfect humans are going through to share that word with hopefully new people as often as we can. Right. Right. Yeah. You look at, you look at the landscape today culturally and, you know, there was a time when people went to church for the show. And I think there is still that group to some degree, but you look at millennials, they're looking for authenticity. They're looking and asking the question, does this matter? Will it change me? Will it change my life? Does it does it make a difference in the world that I live in? And those questions don't get answered by a show. Right. And so I think that's we have to start shifting our mindset. Um, even as small churches, you can address those questions. I mean, I've had num- a number of people in the last six months even come to me and say, we stayed at your church because we found that the people here were real. Yeah. And I go, well... Fantastic. I mean, I try to be real and vulnerable from the pulpit and just be transparent, but but I can't make people in the pew do that. They're just doing that on their own, right? And and they're, they're being open about their their failures and their struggles, and and that that means something to people. And I don't know if there's that freedom sometimes in a larger environment to do that, or if the environment even lends itself to that kind of authenticity and sharing. So, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a win for the small church. Um, again, not a dig on the the big one, but just I think it's it's easier to accomplish in a small church. Yeah, and I mean, I'll just say it: millennials are some of the most cynical people, the c- cynical age groups you will meet because of different things that we saw growing up and investigative journalism and just oh, there's a million factors. That's a whole other podcast, but um, yes. you know, millennials are they're, we're looking for authenticity because we've seen the lack thereof plenty of times. And so I actually, uh, quick story, sat in a worship leader training session with um, Norm Stockton, who's the bassist for Lincoln Brewster, and he lives in Southern California, and he was talking about this church that he went to, and like everybody on the band is a professional level musician, Lincoln Brewster's in the band, and then they hired this new worship guy from Australia, who was, they would run through rehearsals, and they'd get 80% of the way through the song, and he'd said, and then we'll just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do from there. And Norm and the band looked at him and were like, right, but what are we going to do? Like, what? That's, that's cute and everything, but like what? then we're going to play what chords or whatever. And he's like, no, we'll just see what the Holy Spirit did. And he goes, you know, I, don't, I think we didn't make a mistake for about a decade as a band. Like we were that tight. We're all pros. And then this guy comes in and just says, it's okay if we're just real. Like we don't need to you know, we don't need to put on this show. And he's like, in Southern California, everybody's putting on the show. We were the one authentic church. I mean, that's, he's, that's maybe hyperbole, but I thought it was really right. cool. It was just a reminder of, it's not always about how great can the show be. People come into a place wanting to know, is it real here and is it safe here? 
let your guard down, put, break the walls down, and then they'll know that they, they can find that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I think, so that's why, and, and the small church does, you know, lend itself to that very well. Just to give you a quick example, um, we have long had issues with our technical uh, equipment. So if I ever wanted to show a video, it was often, uh, here, check out this video. I would sit down in the front row, and then there'd be a moment of silence. Sure. And then there'd be a, oh, oh, you know, you'd hear stuff from the back of the board, and they're trying to get, it won't come up. And then someone yells, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll mouth the words, or we'll give the words while the people move their mouths. And, I mean, just ridiculous stuff has happened over the years with doing video. And it's actually become like this running joke now in the church that there's, you know, the, whether it's about the technical difficulties or it's about videos, but everyone can laugh about it together and go, you know, ultimately that stuff doesn't matter. We're here together. We're worshiping God. Who cares about the video? And it's just a very real, you know, people feel the freedom to, to you know, shout out in those moments. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. That is funny. Um, all right. Well, as we wrap up then, um, this has been awesome and gone way too fast all at the same time. But as we wrap up, could you just, uh, I want to give you a chance to, Talk about the conference, tell people where they can learn about it, um, and also the book. Go ahead and just any, any of that stuff that you want to plug, because uh, I think it's all great information, great material for whatever church size and whatever uh, level of ministry you're at. I think this is valuable stuff. Okay, so... Uh, so the conference, we've done it now, uh, we've had five different conferences. Um, one we even took to um, Western Pennsylvania and did one there. Uh, but So we've done it five times, and we've learned a lot from it. Um, the, the, the conference started with the goal, uh, three goals really, en- encourage the small church pastor, equip the small church pastor with some tools, and then just surround him with love. Because I think one of the things that a lot of pastors lack is just someone who puts an arm around them and says, man, you're what you're doing matters. And so we spent a lot of time in each conference just letting pastors know they're important, they're special, we love them. They should just keep pressing on, don't give up. A lot of love poured out. We give a lot of stuff away. We keep the cost down uh, as much as we can so we can give a lot of things away, just bless them. Um, and so that's that's the essence of the conference. It's usually a one-day or two-day event. We've experimented all across the board we've done a thursday friday we've done a friday saturday we've done all day friday all day saturday so we're just kind of you know seeing what works um and just to give you an idea of where things are at right now we just had a conference in november and uh, after the conference i had a a guy call me who was a part of he was one of the breakout sessions and he said chris he says you know what does the board look like for this thing i'm like the board he's like well where are you going from here i'm like i have no idea you know because just for those of you listening i'm a pastor at heart and i love to write i am not this you know high level super administrator guy i'm a c on the disc profile if that matters to you okay if you're listening i'm not a d all right and i you know i want to sit and think about stuff and i don't want to you know be in front of a group of guys you know like let's go take that hill that's just not my personality and so um that has begun about three months now just a lot of prayer and seeking God as to where this goes from here, because his contention was, man, if you had a group of pastors working with you, we could take this thing to the next level. We could go national. You know, we could do this, this, this. And he had a lot of ideas for it. And uh, so I, I guess the best thing I could say right now about the conference is we're retooling. And we're trying to think through what this is going to look like going forward. There's no doubt it's needed. There's no doubt it is essential for pastors in small churches. Um, but we just we're going to take uh, close to a year and just rethink this thing and to figure out what God wants to do with it. 
In the meantime, though, um, that does not mean that we're not going to continue to to minister to pastors. So you can go to smallchurchbigdeal.com, and uh, there is a video there. There's some uh, things that you can uh, download. You can also go to Amazon, get the book, Small Church, Big Deal. Uh, but the again, the website, smallchurchbigdeal.com, you can go there, check it out. And I'm going to be adding content to that throughout the year. We're going to be, um, you know, uh, getting information out about upcoming events and just seeing where God takes this ministry. Because uh, when I first started this, I had a guy tell me, he's like, Chris, I think you might have hit a nerve. And, and he's right. What I've seen is that we have, and just to, you know, quickly, um, the first conference we did, I still remember. I will never forget this as long as I live uh, Carl Vaders is up front wrapping up his final session and I look around and there's pastors everywhere just weeping like because it's the first time they've ever been to a conference where at the end they were told you matter this is important like keep doing what you're doing keep serving Jesus and it was like they were validated you know yeah, it wasn't a it. go home and grow your church and work really hard it was like no just keep serving be obedient and so anyway all that to say we're going to keep moving forward. Go to the website, check it out. You can subscribe to the website and get updates. And we'll be happy to keep you informed on future events and any writings, any books that come out. Um, and uh, just excited to see what God's going to do. Cool. I love it. Well, thank you so much for uh, jumping in and doing this. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And uh, I know I've been helped by the content and just by a lot of the stuff that you know, you had to live it to learn it, and then you've been generous enough to share it and put it out there, and uh, I think that's awesome, and it's how the kingdom's supposed to work, so thanks for doing it. Yeah, um, it's my pleasure. I, I hope people get the books so they can get the full story, you know, and not just the uh, the abbreviated version here. Yeah, for sure. So check that out. Um, it's, it's definitely great. Thanks for listening, though. This is the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, and uh, my guest today has been Pastor Chris Vitarelli in out in Michigan. Uh, he was my youth pastor, and today he's pastoring out there, and he's doing great things, and this has been awesome. So thanks for doing it. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Uh, until then, uh, feel free to catch up on previous episodes, and thanks for checking this out. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace.